Good morning, everyone. Happy Labor Day weekend. We're so glad you're here today. We, can, we are going to continue our series, Tough Love, and it's a topic that I'm very excited about because it kind of challenges us to do the big thing that Jesus called us to do, love our neighbor, and we know it's complicated, it's hard, it's challenging, and so um, tough love. Uh, love is tough, but hate is really, really easy, and it's easy to fall into that. Um, so, you know, tough love, when we're talking about this concept of tough love, understand that tough love doesn't mean, like, being mean to other people. That's not the idea of it. Tough love doesn't mean that we're, like, we're like really difficult or hard, or we're kind of like this football coach or drill sergeant type of a person. Really, the tough love that we're talking about is, uh, is loving people really where they're at. And that is what really is tough. Loving people kind of where they're at and whatever they're going through and whatever is going on. One of the heroes of our church, it's uh, a person that we have referred to quite a bit because when you talk about uh, being neighborly or a good neighbor, the first person that comes to mind is Fred Rogers, right? We even did a church a sermon series one time with uh, Mr. Rogers, and my wife even has a Mr. Rogers t-shirt on today. Um, so check out her Mr. Rogers t-shirt. But Fred Rogers is the consummate neighbor, is the consummate person that like really meets people where they are. There's a story about Fred Rogers where he had this individual... And Fred Rogers was an ordained minister, and, and one time someone came to his church and sang a song. Um, his name was Francis Clemens. And he, he met Francis, and he asked Francis, he said, would you come and would you appear on my show? And he's like, well, in what way? He said, I want you to come and be a police officer. Francis is an African-American man, and this was kind of the era when uh, there was a lot of tension between police and the African-American community. You know, sometimes it, it's similar again today, in, in this time, in this era. And his first response was, I can't do that. Because this is, you know, you don't understand what my family has gone through. You don't understand the perception that a lot of people that I know have of police officers and these things. And this is challenging. And Fred Rogers looked at him and he said, that's exactly why you need to do it. Because we want to paint a different picture. And so one of the first times ever on uh, network TV, uh, this image came up where Fred Rogers invited Francis to participate and be uh, the police officer on the show. And they ended up in this scene having a little uh, foot bath together. And uh, Fred Rogers, at the end of this scene, as they're getting out, he takes a towel and he dries off Francis' feet. And he did this as a, a, a clear symbol and a declaration in a time where these kinds of images were not depicted on TV, saying he was going to be somebody that washed or dried uh, this police officer, this African-American man's feet. And this, I mean, these kinds of images and pictures about tough love is what we're talking about. That's what we're talking about, is it's talking about reframing and saying, how do we connect with other people on a level where they're at? How do we change maybe the story? 
How do we change the picture of maybe what people think about us and about others? And that is an incredibly powerful thing, and it's really tough. Um, the scripture, or, or a big theological term that kind of is used when you're, we're talking about this concept, is incarnational ministry, or, or the incarnation. And the reason I use that term is because you always sound smarter when you bit, use big terms for simple ideas. So um, that's just a little, little, little side note. But incarnational means just that, meeting people where they are. And we understand in Scripture that this is a major point in Scripture that sometimes we don't think about or contemplate enough. That God is incarnational. God meets us where we are at. God, the God of the universe, came in human flesh and was walked among us and was where we are at. This is what tough love is all about. Specifically today, I want to talk about listening, because I think listening is one of those character traits and one of those ideals that, that begins that conversation and really truly demonstrates that we're meeting people where they're at. So it says this in James chapter 1. It says this, James 1.19. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Again, you know, those, those, three, those three phenomenal lines right there. Very simple, timeless truth. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Um, you know, how often are we quick to listen? How often do we pause and really, really listen to people? There's so many times in my life where I kind of I give like the 70% listen. Anybody else? The 70% listen. And a lot of times what it is is maybe I'm distracted by other things going on. I'm kind of like a hyper person a little bit. And like something's going on over here. And I'm trying to get in on this conversation over here. But I'm listening with this ear. And I'm not paying attention. And sometimes we do that a lot. We really don't engage and stop and hear people and listen. Just yesterday, uh, our family went couch shopping. Okay, um, if you've done a small group at my house uh, or a Bible study at my house, you know that it's a painful uh, it's a painful experience because our cushions have been like destroyed. Um, I want to blame my kids for uh, jumping on them and stuff like that, but it's probably because it's, it was the cheapest couch at American Furniture Warehouse, so that may have something to do with it. But it's a it's a painful experience. I kind of. I kind of like, I, I liken it to, you know what, you are enduring, like, the difficulty of carrying your cross when you show up to a Bible study in my house, because you have to sit on my couch. Um, but anyways, just so, to let you know, in the future, starting tomorrow, I'm going to have a massive couch that is new, still from American Furniture Warehouse, but... For the next at least six months, there shouldn't be springs shooting up at you. So that's, that's a big deal. I, that's a big deal. Um, so we were, we were walking around and we were shopping at the uh, American Furniture Warehouse. And there was this just really nice 
friendly gentleman that came up to us. You know, and he, uh, his, you know, his name was Brian, and he came, hi, I'm Brian, he introduced himself. He was so nice and kind, and he really wanted to know us, and really wanted to, you know, was interested in my daughter and how old she was and everything, and, and said, can I get you some water, and all of these things, and I was like, Man, what a nice guy. And then as he's walking away, and after, you know, he showed us a couple of things, and he showed us a voice-activated recliner. Why would you need a voice-activated recliner? But he's just, he really wanted to show us this. Um, he said, by the way, I'll be right back. I'll let you look around a little bit, but I want you to know we work on commissions. My name is Brian. Here's my card. Make sure that you come and find me. If you need me, uh, you can page me at the front. And so, like, as a yeah, of course, of course he does, you know? And so, so he was so attentive. He was listening really well. And there was a moment that we were having this conversation, and I brought my daughter with uh, us to look for the couch. And uh, my son had no interest, so he stayed at home. But I brought my daughter because my daughter is, like, the one that will be my advocate for, like, we got to get the fun couch. And my wife is like the practical one. But if me and my daughter can hang up on my wife, we can like, we can get some stuff done. So, um, so I, so I definitely want to bring my daughter along. And I was like, we were looking at something. I was like, Riley, what do you think? This would be great for a movie, you know, comfy, laying down, look at all this pill, all this stuff. And my daughter was like, yeah. And we were kind of, we were swaying my wife a little bit, you know, and, and the guy looked at me and he said, you know, it is just really neat that you ask your daughter's opinion. That is just really special. It's really special. Not every parent does that. I'm like, dude, I do not ask your opinion on a lot of stuff. We're just, we have an agenda here, okay? Um, and I was thinking about later on kind of the dynamics of all these conversations. And you see, this is kind of how listening goes many times. This guy, Brian, was totally engaged Totally got our names. Totally knew everything. Why? Because he wanted to make 75 bucks off of us, right? He wanted to make his 3% commission or 5% commission. I don't know. I don't know what they make. What do they make at American Furniture? I don't know. But he, that's what he wanted, right? And so he was listening and he was focused. I was listening to my daughter and I was trying to get my daughter because I had a plan. We wanted to get the fun couch, not the practical couch, all right? And it's interesting how you look at all these dynamics. It seems to be we're really good listeners when it suits us, aren't we? If, you know what? You can take somebody who just totally ignores other people and doesn't care very much about people and give them a $50 commission, and all of a sudden they're the nicest person in the world. Isn't that interesting how we do that? Isn't it interesting how we can listen, we can hone in in those moments where it would suit us. But the reality is, and this is where the tough part comes in, is are we the type of people that are always quick to listen? Are we the type of people that are always open and listening to others? Because I think it's probably the number one tell as to how much we really genuinely do care about other people. Do we care what they have to say? Do we care what other people are, are expressing to us and the emotions that they're, they're, they're trying to convey to us? Or do we want to just wait it out so we can get our message out to other people? Is that how we listen? We only listen when it's something that would benefit us? 
And the scripture here is telling us, it says, you know what, just, just pa- really listen. Be quick to listen. And sometimes even be slow to speak. Be slow to, like, always have a response ready in chamber. Be slow to always be the one that has to intervene, has to kind of, like, point it my direction or my way. And this is because, and also, of course, be slow to anger. And at first, when I read this, I didn't quite know the tie-in. But if you think about our culture and our time where people are not quick to listen and are very quick to speak the tensions and the conversations that are going on are high in anger, aren't they? Because there's no listening going on. It's just shouting over one another. And there's always anger around that kind of conversation. Because it is an antagonistic kind of style conversation. Where I am trying to win this moment. And so I am quick to speak, slow to listen, and anger goes high. The scripture tells us... Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. And this is why. It's because anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. What a powerful, practical phrase. That anger doesn't help you. That's what it's saying. It doesn't help. How many times have you, like, have you progressed the conversation or relationship on Because you really won an argument and got the other person mad. How many times has that helped things? How many times has that moved things on or brought you together or helped other people point your, you you know, kind of like see your point of view? When you really got them mad and you started name calling them. That's That's the time it worked, right? And if we think about it, sometimes Christian people unfortunately don't heed this advice. Sometimes we look at the world out there and we look and we say, stinking people out there need to get their act together. And we, we're, we're gonna, we're, we have a convincing argument. The scripture is clear. It's so obvious. Get it together. And we want to yell and scream and tell everybody that it's wrong. But the scripture gives us wise advice right here and says, does that, does that help? Is that working for you? Is it working for you to just have these antagonistic conversations in that way? Because the scripture says it's not really producing the righteousness God desires. It's not really having the effect that you may have intended. And so we want to look at this idea of listening. And I have a couple of things that I want to share with you. First of all is this idea of silence instead of shouting. Silence instead of shouting. And I, when the scripture tells us, be you know, quick to listen, and even other places like silence, it's not saying that we never speak up. It's not saying we're completely passive. But it's giving us kind of a counterbalance to the kind of shouting that sometimes we participate in. I want to read you something that has always confounded me. And I haven't quite figured it out. But if you look in Matthew chapter 27... We see how Jesus reacted right before he was, he was put on the cross. Matthew 27, 13 um, and 14. And this is when he's in the middle of a trial for his life. Right? 
He is kind of getting tossed back and forth. He's getting uh, accused of all these things. There is a lot of shouting going on, and we're not going to recap the whole kind of passion story or the, the, the days before Easter, but there is shouting going on on all sides. Everybody is yelling and screaming. People are like kind of picking sides of what's going to happen, and Jesus, in this confusing, a hostile environment, stands before Pilate, and it says this, Pilate, who is judging him? Then Pilate asked him, Don't you hear the testimony they are bringing against you? But Jesus made no reply, not not even to a single charge, to the great amazement of the governor. I don't get that one, do you? Isn't this interesting? That in this moment, and Jesus, of course, was not shy, and he always spoke, he spoke out, and he was not, like, afraid to say something but in this moment, this time, when the, his life is on the line and it's recorded for all of human history, he is a moment standing before the judge. And, and we maybe even have fantasies about moments like this where we're, we're standing up and like the jury is there and the court is there and we're standing there. Bryce might have uh, m- more uh, experience with this than others, but, but I, I just, whenever I watch like the LA law shows or whatever, I'm like, I could do that. And I would make my point and everybody would cheer me in my fancy suit and all those things. But like, imagine that moment when you're standing up and you're accused of something you didn't do. You are in the right, oh, that's a sweet moment where you get to say, bring the house down and bring the truth and like totally like shut up your accusers. What does Jesus do? Nothing. He's silent. Every accusation made against him, he doesn't respond. And it's, it's confusing, and I don't want to go too far, you know, like taking too much out of this. But in this moment, you have to understand he intentionally and deliberately chose to be quiet. He chose to be quiet. He chose in the moment where his life was on the line to be quiet. We understand there's bigger and greater things going on. We understand he was there and he was on a mission to die on the cross and raise again. But he could have said something in that moment. He could have. And Jesus in that moment was completely silent. And, and I think that there's something to that. There's something, you know, we, we run past his story quickly. But there's something to that. It's something where in that moment, in that time, Jesus' actions were going to be his message, not his words. In that moment in time. In that moment in time... His actions in demonstrating what he was going to do on earth was his message. And he wasn't going to argue. He wasn't going to yell and shout them down and like bring like a truth bomb to them in that moment and kind of like say, like, look at that. I just, I just proved I, I'm the God of the universe. There you go. In that moment, he was completely silent. And I think that it's something, if, if we look at it through the eyes of like James that we read before, there are moments in time where we need to be slow to speak. There's moments in time what we need to do is we need to act and live out and be the person God called us to be and like tone the vol- turn the volume down a little bit. To stop the shouting, stop that moment and like recognize 
that in this point in time, what I need to be is I need to be that person, not just talk about being that person. I had a youth pastor when I was growing up that, that had about like three different messages that he uh, gave to us. He was a volunteer youth pastor, and he would kind of just rotate them through. One, two, three. And that was all the messages he gave. But one of them was this. Um, it was a good one, so uh, I remembered it. I'm not disparaging in any way. Uh, it was a good one. But he said this. He said, you know what? Instead of wearing a Jesus t-shirt and trying to convince everybody you're a Christian, why don't you live like a Christian, and then they'll ask you and figure that out. Wow. It's a powerful thing. And, and there's, there's all kinds of cliches that are around this concept and idea, but, these, but cliches sometimes, you know, they're, they're, they give us, like, truth that we all understand and know, that, like, you know, people will not know how much you, you what is the cliché? Somebody help me out with this one. Uh, they will not know how much you care until they care how much you know. No, they won't care how much. I got it. They won't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Everybody, hang on. When I say it this time, she's going, ah. Oh. That's, that's how you should respond to a cliche that you've heard 20 times. Okay, all right. They won't know how much you care. I, I, I can't do it. I can't do it. All right. I'm sorry. All right. You got it. All right. The moment passed. Thank you for your, thank you for your compassion on me and your grace. But understand what it's talking about. And this moment, we need, to, we need to hear that sometimes, is that our actions, our lifestyle, how we treat people day in and day out is such a, a huge message to the world. There's, there's something going on in our world in our time right now. I'm not sure if you're aware of this. But there's something going on in our generation that is unique in our country and in our time. It used to be that when people grew up and they like had kids, they would show up to church at some point in time because they thought that is the pl- that's the good thing to do. That's what I'm supposed to do. That's what our culture was like a generation or two ago. That everybody showed up to church. Because they believed that was the right thing to do. And there has been a change and a turn that has been pretty quick. Where now people are looking at places like this and they're saying, I don't want to bring my family to places like this. And here's why. Now listen to this. This may be a little bit hard, but we need to listen. We need to listen to some of the, what people are saying. I'm not saying they're, they're all right, but this is what people are saying. People are saying the church is full of hypocrites. The church is full of hypocritical people, and we see stories in the news about pastors and other people like stealing money or doing bad things to kids or doing all this stuff. And we see these giant churches that seem like they're all out for money and all this stuff. What a bunch of hypocrites. It's a, it's a big joke, and I don't want to be a part of it. People are saying this, okay? Now, before we like, get into our, our well, how about, you know, before we start arguing, let's, let's stop and listen for a moment. Because these are some of the things that people in our culture uh, really are saying, saying these days. Saying, full of hypocrites. Full of hypocrites. There's a lot of people in our culture today that are saying, you know, the message you're saying is, is not true. It's not believable. It's not understandable. We have modern science. We have all these different things. And, and like the way that you're, you're conveying this, it, it's not possible. So, so uh, I, I'm discounting what you have to say. Because... You're not, like, 
you, you're kind of throwing out maybe even like simple answers to really complex things. And like that doesn't make a lot of sense. It doesn't jive with, with what I'm learning in science class or history class. And I, I just don't want to have anything to do with it. There's, there's, there's people that are saying, I don't want to be a part of the church because the church, you know, doesn't, doesn't accept people and doesn't love people. And, like, there's certain people that, like, can't be a part of that church if you don't dress this way, talk this way, do this kind of actions or whatever. So I don't want to have anything to do with that, and I don't want to be a part of something like that. There's lots of people in our culture and our time that this is what they're saying. Okay? Now, I have really good arguments against all of these things. And it's the kind of conversations we need to have sometimes. But it's important to listen. It's important to hear. And it's important to hear what other people are saying. Because even if they're 100% wrong in that, it's important for us to understand and hear the sentiment that they're expressing. Because let me tell you kind of like... This is, this is kind of a, a bigger picture of maybe what's going on behind the scenes in their mind, in their head, or what people are, are trying to express. They may be expressing something that is, is, is partially true and has a kernel of truth to it, but they don't know exactly how to express it. Okay, They may be expressing something that is maybe even a criticism of bad expressions of faith that are like negative things. But there's still maybe a kernel of truth to that. And if we're not open to listening to what other people are saying, then really what we're, we're, what we're deciding is we're saying, I have it figured out, I have the answers, come on board with what I'm saying, or, you know, like, you're just, you're just wrong. You need to sometimes hear the sentiment behind what other people are saying, it, you know, in addition to just the words. And you know what? There's been times where I've been willing to stop and listen to others. And all of a sudden, I, if you look behind the surface and you, you, they say, the church is full of hypocrites. And all of a sudden, I hear what they're talking about. And I'm like, I agree with you 100%. But maybe I just, I didn't stop and pause and I didn't hear what you were really saying yet. Let, let, let me just say, the world is saying something to people like us and the church. And you know what? Some of it's true. And sometimes maybe we haven't listened to it. Let's personalize this because I'm just talking about kind of maybe big things, big trends going on. But there may be moments in time that you need to do the exact same thing in your life. That somebody is saying something and it may come off to you as... Critical, antagonistic, mean-spirited, untrue. And you might need to just slow down a moment and hear that there's something else beneath the surface that is going on that actually does contain a degree of truth. That there's some sentiment there that you need to understand. Another cliche. This is, this is what I'm going to start doing every week. I'm just going to start like dishing out all these cliches. It'll be fantastic. It'll be uh, great. And uh, another cliche is perception is reality. Heard that one? What do you think? Have you heard that one? Perception is reality? That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. That is so dumb. Okay, let me just say this. Perception's not reality. Reality is reality. What in the world? Perception's not reality. Reality's reality. Truth is truth. God is God. What God says is true is true. It's not 
perception. I just feel like God should be like this, so that's the way God is. Come on, people. Perception is not reality. Hang on, though. That statement has, it's, it's expressing that sometimes I perceive something that has a kernel of truth in it. You see what I'm saying? Sometimes I'm perceiving something, and maybe I don't even know how to fully articulate it, but I'm perceiving something that has a degree of truth in it. And, and we need to listen and be humble enough to be open to say, you know what, if somebody else is like saying something here that initially like kind of has that moment where it's like, I want to argue this on this point, maybe I need to, maybe I need to take time out not, not re- immediately reply and try to hear the sentiment, the perception that somebody is expressing. I'm not saying that they're right, but maybe there is a perception that has a kernel of truth in it. Right? There's been times people have said this about me. I'll, be, I'll do the full confessional today. Okay? People have said this about me. They said, you don't care about others. You don't care about others. Because, because I see you and you're, you're running around doing other things and you're focused on something and like you didn't say hi to me and like, like uh, you forgot my kids' names and some of these things. And it's like, that's, that's kind of me. I, I'm not good with names. I get focused on tasks. Uh, again, I'm not like the best listener in the world. Um, all all these, th- these things can be tendencies of me. And I'd say, are you kidding me? You think I don't care about people? I've dedicated my life and sacrificed and done all these things and tried and given up other opportunities and stuff to give to other people, and that's what I've given my life to. Are you kidding? And, and that feeling or a sentiment, I want, want, want to fight against that. But there's a kernel of truth there that I needed to face. I've needed to face in my life sometimes is that sometimes I've been too distracted by stuff going on in my to-do list, and I haven't stopped and really, like, focused on people. And people make, that feels like to people that I don't care about them, which is the furthest thing from the truth. I really, really am passionate about caring for others. But sometimes I convey that message, maybe because I'm distracted, stressed out, or whatever it may be. And there's been a couple of times in my life where I've interacted with people, and they... Like, I heard through the grapevine or something like that, like, that guy, he's not very friendly or something. I'm like, man, that breaks my heart. You understand? It really breaks my heart because I really do care about people. I really do. And I've given a lot to that, and I really do. But I need to hear that sometimes people have perceived me as somebody that's kind of cold and distant. And that's the truth I need to hear. If you're listening, you have an opportunity... To, 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 like, to grow as a person. There's no mistake that at the beginning of our relationship with God is us being humble and humbling ourselves before our Creator and saying, God, I submit to you and I humble myself to you. Being somebody who is willing to listen and hear and maybe sometimes be silent demonstrates that, we're, that, that we care about others and we care about these things. It demonstrates that we're focused on what is important instead of just that moment of shouting our opinion. 
You know, last week we opened up this conversation and it's kind of a big picture view of a lot of what we're talking about is this balance between grace and truth. It's a balance between the two things. That, of course, God gives us grace, meaning he gives us stuff that we don't deserve, but God is also a God of truth. But when it gets mixed up, what happens is, is we put, we prioritize or make truth the first benchmark in our relationship and make grace kind of the secondary one. That is reversed. The first thing we have to do is give people grace, meaning we have to love them and care for them genuinely without conditions. That's what starts. And that's how God starts with us. You understand the order. The order is very significant. It's God starts with us by first offering us grace. And truth is very important and critical as well. And so God, of course, brings us truth that guides us in our life. But we know and understand that if it's truth first, and it's all truth first, and grace doesn't lead, that, that grace never happens and the message never is heard. That's what James is talking about. Human anger doesn't produce righteousness. It doesn't help. It doesn't work. Sometimes we need to be silent. Sometimes we need to pause and listen and hear. And we need to hear what the world is saying. And we need to hear what maybe people are saying about us, even in our households. Even with our kids, if you want to get some tough truth, go talk to your kids sometimes. They'll bring out some tough ones. And we need to listen and be open to saying, you know what? There's some growth in my life that could take place. And I need to hear that. There's another picture that I want to give you is that we, this, the wording doesn't work as well, but we're using the words in the scripture here. Um, the sh- shining instead of sarcasm. And that's sometimes what we fall into. Philippians 2 14 through 15. It says this. As I'm flipping here. I have it marked. I brought my Bible this week. Are you proud of me? Philippians 2. 14 and 15. It says this. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. That you may become blameless and pure. Children of God without fault, in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. And so this is, what it's talking about is really following God closely, really standing out, really demonstrating clearly in a world that many times is going astray, something unique and different, and it's demonstrating, saying, stop arguing, stop complaining, stop grumbling, stop being that person. Instead, be somebody that shines brightly. Be somebody that demonstrates and walks in their life in a way that is, that is like, that is brilliant. What a beautiful picture, right? What a beautiful picture and image of saying, I'm walking every day, and as I walk and as I go along, there's just this brilliance to my life. There's a positivity to my life. There's a joy and fulfillment to my life because, guess what? We know God is in control. We know there's a God out there. We know I'm forgiven. We know these things. We should shine brightly. How come sometimes we fall into this pattern of sarcasm 
and a sour view of the world. And we look around at everybody and we say they're a bunch of idiots. And it's almost as if we just, we just, we just want to like stay, stay at home and look out the window and yell at the kids that are out there in the neighborhood. Uh, like just, just watch cable news 24-7 and just tweet out angry things at everybody and just say, look at how stupid everybody is in the world all the time. Like it's easy to fall into that place where it's just like looking at the world with like a sour view. Everybody is awful. Everybody is stupid. Nobody knows what they're talking about. What a poor picture of what it means to love your neighbor, right? What a poor picture of what it means to say, my life has been captivated by the spirit of God and something within me is growing and I'm loving people more and more. Like how sad would it be if our experience in faith turns us sour? How sad would that be? And instead, the scripture is saying, no, that's not the path that is going to lead towards anything being good. This angry conversations, grumbling, arguing, all of that, that's not going to lead down a good path. Instead, be brilliant. Live a brilliant, beautiful life that is full of joy and goodness because I know the God of the universe, my goodness. Wow, right? That is the life that God calls us to. And sometimes if maybe if we stop, like instead of like listening and hearing and like seeing the world around us as God sees it, and we're just quick to speak and quick to criticize, quick to do all of these things, quickly our world becomes sour and we get angry at others. This life is amazing. I know there's bad in the world, and I'm not minimizing evil. I'm not minimizing pain. I'm not minimizing stupid people, okay? All right? There's plenty of that, too. But what I'm telling you is, is if you're a person that cares deeply about your faith, what you're saying is, is God created this world, and God is good, and my life should be filled with that hope, filled with that hope, to overflowing. And when people come in contact with me, they're going to see something positive that they can't even imagine. When, this is something that Christians know about God that is unique to everyone else. In Jeremiah 29, 11 and 12, and you've probably heard Jeremiah 29, 11 many times, cliche morning, but it says this, it says for the, I, for, thank you. Uh, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in the future. You heard that before? Okay, God has good things for you. And normally uh, the Facebook posts and the little postcards and like all that stuff cuts off at that moment. But what's the next line? Then you will call on me and I will come and pray to me and I will listen to you. Do you hear what the scripture tells us about God? What the scripture is telling us about God is that God listens to us. That is an odd concept. That, I would have some criticisms of God on that one. God, why are you listening to us? We do not know what we're talking about. But why? Because God has great and incredible plans for us. God wants our lives to be transformed and, and shaped 
in a new and different way, a profound way. And so, as a result, God listens to us. God hears us. The God of the universe that created the whole world and knows everything has has demonstrated to us something. And he says, I will listen to you when you pray to me. I will hear what you have to say. Even when most of it is foolishness, I'll still listen to you. Because I'm going to hear that. And I, I care about you. And I value our relationship and our connection enough that I will hear your prayers. God listens to us. So if God listens, we better be listeners, right? We better listen to others and treat others that way. There's a couple of things that I want to just kind of leave you with as little action steps that you can take on to say, I am truly going to be a listener. I'm going to embrace this tough, difficult aspect of love, and I'm going to hear and listen to other people. It's, it's more than just like sitting in a conversation and hearing the words other people say. It's an openness to other people. One thing as a church community that is a non-negotiable for us is that we welcome people and say we are going to love our neighbors. That's a non-negotiable to us. Because, because, you know what? Better preachers, better music, better programs everywhere, but they better, there's better not be a church that loves people more. That's, all, that's what I care about. Better not be a church that loves people more. That's something that we can all do. So as a church, some of the things that we've been thinking about and talking about, as we said, we need to make sure as people walk in the front door to this place, as people are here, as people are even we're out in the neighborhood and community, that people know that you are welcome here and this is a place that you can be a part of. And you, you, you this is not a click. This is not just like a closed group. You're welcome here. You want to be a part of the family. And so we're putting extra focus and emphasis on that in a strategic way. And we're going to be having, starting like next Sunday, we're going to be having a meeting after the service talking about kind of that hospitality piece that we want to make sure we're doing the right thing about. That we're, that we're thoughtful about it, we're thinking about it, that we're planning that out. And it's not just an informal thing, it's core to what we do. And everybody can do that, right? Everybody can do that. So I invite you next week after the service to talk about how can we make sure that anybody in our neighborhood or community knows that we love them and we care about them. So you're invited to be a part of that. I'm calling it hospitality because that's what the Bible calls it. Other people don't like that term, but argue, arguing with the Bible here. But the name might change, but what the message is for us is we want to make sure everyone in our community knows that you're welcome and you're part of it. That's something you can participate in. But another thing that I want you to like to kind of button up and to think about how this turns from theory to action is one thing you can do 100% and should be a part of your life every single week is listening to God. That should be a part of your life. And if 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 every time that like there's that God is being crowded out by TV, by music, by other voices, other things, other influences. And there's never a moment in your life where you can be silent and you can hear God's voice. Then it's going to be really hard to follow God, isn't it? If you never listen to God, how can you follow? How can you value that relationship if you never create any space to listen? If you only create space to maybe tell God things and give them your list... How can that really be a, a, a deep 
and meaningful relationship. How can we be transformed by God if our hearts aren't open to listening to God and hearing his voice? So you need to create space in your life to make sure every week, and I would even encourage you every day if you can, to be silent. To listen. To open yourself up. And here's what I do. This is my practice. Is I, I take some time. I read scripture. I pray. And then what I try to do is as often as I can, after I'm done reading the scripture for my own edification and growth, is I will try to follow it with a little walk. That's what I try to do. Walk the dog. Get the mail. Okay? Do a 15-minute walk. And go out and just nothing else around. I'm out there, I'm walking, and I am trying to listen and hear and absorb what God is saying. We live in stinking Colorado. This is the time of year to go out for nice walks, right? Uh, Evening walks? Wow, man, come on. Um, uh, So I definitely just recommend that you make sure you have space to hear the voice of God. And that will start the process to say, I am someone that listens. I listen to God. And trust me, if you're listening to God, your ears for other people will perk up as well. Because close to the heart of God is all the people around us, right? And we'll care more and more and we'll listen more and more to other people if if we're close to the heart of God. I I want you to join me in prayer. God, we know that hate is easy and love is tough. And God, it's so easy to get cynical. It's so easy to just kind of get captivated by our own own thoughts and ideas and kind of ignore others around us. But God, you give us wise counsel and you say, listen, hear, be silent. And so, God, even though sometimes we struggle with that, we just want to take this moment right now and hear your voice, God. We want to listen to what you're speaking to us about. So, God, speak to us, we pray. I invite you in this moment just to take take some time Reflect, think about what it is that God is nudging you about. Try not to be distracted by all the other thoughts that consume us, but instead to just pause and say, God, what are you saying through your scripture? I'm listening. I'm listening. And take that moment right now just to hear God's voice. And be transformed.